Part One, Chapter Ten of Quo Vadis, A Tale of the Time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part One, Chapter Ten. The house of Vinitius was, in fact, adorned with the green of myrtle and ivy, garlands of which hung on the walls and doors. The columns were wreathed about with grapevine. The great hall, whose entrance was covered with a purple woolen cloth, as a protection from the cool night air, was as clear as daylight. Lamps of eight or twelve flames were burning. These took the forms of vessels, trees, birds, or statues, with flames jutting from receivers full of perfumed oil. They were made of alabaster, or gilded Corinthian bronze, not so beautiful as the famous lamp from the temple of Apollo which Nero possessed, but nevertheless with a beauty of their own, fashioned as they all had been by celebrated masters. In some the lights were shaded by Alexandrian glass, or a transparent stuff from India of red, blue, yellow, or violet color, so that the entire hall was filled with many-colored rays. The air was heavy with the odor of tuberoses, to which Vinicius had become accustomed while living in the Orient. The entire house, through which moved male and female slaves, was brilliant with lights. The table in the banquet-room was laid for four persons, for, besides Vinitius and Lygia, Petronius and Chrysothemis were to attend the feast. Vinitius had taken the advice of Petronius not to go for Lygia himself, but to send Atacinus with the permission accorded by Caesar, and receive her in his own home himself, with friendliness and even with marks of special consideration thou wert intoxicated yesterday said petronius i had my eyes on thee thou didst behave to her like a quarryman from the alban hills be not so rough and remember that good wine should be drunk slowly know too that to desire is sweet but to be desired is sweeter chrysothemis had a different opinion but petronius calling her his vestal and his dove began to explain the difference which must exist between an experienced charioteer and a youth who holds the reins for the first time then turning to vinitius he said win her confidence make her happy treat her with magnanimity i care not to be present at a gloomy feast swear to her even by hades that thou wilt return her to pomponia then see to it that to-morrow she prefers to remain in thy house pointing to chrysothemis he added for five years i acted thus with this flighty dove and i cannot complain of her obduracy chrysothemis coquettishly tapped him with her fan of peacock feathers and said did i not resist thee satyr out of regard for my predecessor but wert thou not at my feet to put rings on thy toes chrysothemis looked involuntarily at her feet on the toes of which jewels actually glittered both she and petronius laughed vinitius did not listen to their banter his heart was beating uneasily under the splendidly decorated robe of a syrian priest which he had donned for lygia's reception they must have left the palace already said he as if speaking to himself they must said petronius in confirmation in the meantime shall i tell you about the predictions of apollonius of tyana or shall i relate the history of rufinus which i have not finished i know not why vinitius was interested neither in apollonius nor in rufinus he could not take his mind from lygia though he felt it was more befitting to receive her at home than to go to the palace as if he wished to take her by force still he regretted that he had not gone for then he would have seen her sooner and could have sat in the darkness by her side in a double litter 
meanwhile slaves brought in a tripod ornamented with ram's heads and bronze dishes filled with live coals over which they sprinkled pieces of myrrh and nard now they are turning towards the carinae said vinitius again to himself he has not the patience to wait he will run to meet them and will probably miss them exclaimed chrysothemis vinitius smiled in an embarrassed manner and said i have patience and i will wait he dilated his nostrils and panted seeing this petronius shrugged his shoulders and said there is not a farthing's worth of philosophy in him i shall never succeed in making a man of this son of mars but vinitius did not even hear his words they are already in the carinae he murmured indeed the litter in which lygia lay was really turning towards the carinae the lamp-bearers were in front the carriers were on both sides of the litter atacinus followed just behind them they moved slowly for the streets were not lighted and the lanterns hardly sufficed to show the way the street was uncommonly crowded almost from every turning people poured out in groups without torches or lamps and clad in dark mantles some of them mingled with the slaves accompanying the litter others in greater numbers approached from the opposite direction some staggered as if drunk and for some moments the advance grew so difficult that the lamp-bearers began to shout make way for the noble tribune marcus vinitius lygia throwing aside the curtain looked upon these people clad in dark mantles and trembled with emotion hope and fear mingled in her breast that is he that is ursus and the christians the struggle will begin soon she murmured with quivering lips help me o christ save me Atacinus, who at first had not noticed the uncommon animation in the streets, now became alarmed. Something unusual was taking place. The lamp-bearers had to keep up their shouting, "'Make way for the litter of the noble tribune!' From all sides unknown people had crowded around the litter to such an extent that Atacinus ordered the slaves to drive them away with clubs. Suddenly a cry rang out. Immediately all the lights were extinguished. Around the litter a confused struggle began." Atacinus perceived that an attack had been made upon the litter. This frightened him. It was known to all that Caesar, with a crowd of attendants, frequently amused himself with such attacks in the Subura and in other parts of the city. It was known that Nero sometimes returned from these nocturnal adventures with black and blue spots. But those who defended themselves were condemned to death, even if of senatorial rank. The quarters of the guards, whose duty it was to preserve order in the city, were not far away, but on such occasions the guards feigned to be deaf and blind. Meantime the struggle thickened about the litter, people struck and trampled upon one another. It flashed upon Atacinus that he had best save Lygia and himself and leave the rest to their fate. Drawing the maiden from the litter, he took her in his arms and attempted to escape in the darkness but lygia began to shout ursus ursus she had left the palace in a white robe hence she was plainly visible atacinus with his free arm was just covering her with his mantle when suddenly terrible claws were dug into his neck and a crushing mass like a stone came down upon his head he dropped in a twinkling as an ox might drop beneath the butt-end of an axe before an altar of jove most of the slaves were already lying on their backs the rest had scattered in the darkness on the spot only the broken litter remained ursus bore lygia to the sobora his companions following him and dispersing gradually at the street corners 
the slaves began soon to assemble before the house of vinitius and stood there debating not daring to enter they decided to return to the scene of the attack where they found a few dead bodies among them that of atacinus he was still quivering but after a moment of violent convulsion he expired the slaves lifted him up and carried him towards the house of vinitius but they stopped at the gate dreading to inform their master of what had happened let gulo be our spokesman whispered a few voices his face is bloody as are ours and our master loves him he runs less risk than any of us gulo a german slave who had nursed vinitius and who had descended to him from his mother the sister of petronius said i will inform him but let us all go in together let not his wrath descend on my head alone meantime the patience of vinitius was exhausted petronius and chrysothemis ridiculed him as he walked with quick steps up and down the room repeating they should be here already they should be here already he would have gone out to meet them but petronius and chrysothemis held him back suddenly steps were heard in the vestibule and into the hall there rushed a crowd of slaves who began to utter mourning cries ah ah vinitius rushed towards them where is lygia he cried in a strange and terrible voice ah, ah. then gulo came forward the blood streaming down his face in a trembling voice he exclaimed behold our blood master we defended her behold blood master blood but ere he could finish vinitius seized a bronze lamp and with one blow shattered his skull then clutching his own head with both hands he tore his hair and repeated in a hoarse voice woe is me woe is me his face grew livid his eyes started from his head and foam appeared at his mouth whips he roared in a terrible voice master um, uh, have mercy on us implored the slaves petronius arose an expression of disgust upon his face let us go chrysothemis he said if thou wishest to look upon raw flesh i will command a butcher's stall to be opened in the carinae and he left the room throughout all the house hung with ivy and prepared for feasting there rang groans and the whistling of whips these sounds lasted almost until the morning end of part one chapter ten